0: Hello and welcome to Talking Flutes, I'm Jean-Paul Wright. For the next few weeks, we're going to be taking the opportunity to look back at some of our favourite pods, some of which are a long way back in our catalogue. Before we begin, a big shout out to our fabulous Talking Flutes podcast sponsors, based just outside of London, TJ Flutes. Please show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes or Facebook at Trevor James Flutes. So recorded in October 2020. And before Covid decided to create havoc in the world, I visited a Dublin cafe to speak with my very good friend, flute professor and soloist Bill Dowdle, about all things flute.
1: We've known each other too long. Centuries. <laughs> William. Bill Dowdle. Hi Bill. Hi John Paul, how are you? Well, I'm, I'm fine. We're a year older, a year wiser? No, I'm not wiser. I'm getting younger all the time, mentally. Physically, I'm getting older. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's something about getting old, isn't it? The old bones start to creak, and then the
1: uh, the brain starts to uh, disappear. I, I never I never give in to any of that stuff. No, huh? no, I deny it completely. I'm not getting older. You just don't use it as an excuse like I do. And <laughs> <laughs> ask my kids. <laughs>
0: right, but I've come over for a very special launch tonight are some videos,
1: teaching videos, that you're releasing, or the Royal Irish Academy of Music are releasing. Well, actually being very modest is thanks to you and Trevor James that we're releasing them. I had this notion, in fact, don't tell anyone, but 2020 is the 50th 50th anniversary of me teaching. Good grief. Yes, and before anyone takes out their calculators, I was a teenager at the time. (laughs) Uh, something I'm going to mention later. Yes, yeah, it's my 50th anniversary, and someone said to me years ago, would you not write a flute method or something? And, and I kept thinking about myself and computer screens don't get along. It's like way too blank, looking at a blank computer screen. Anyway, if I started writing stuff down, it probably would end up as being about a page and a half, and that's it. So then, knowing full well that I can talk the hind legs off a donkey, uh, someone suggested that we actually do a series of simple and very approachable videos about the way I think about teaching, not highfalutin in any way, very basic things like uh, tone development, uh, vibrato, vibrato exercises and all that. Um, I think we've we've done 14 so far and they're going to be released, I think it's about two a month for the next couple of months, but it's thanks to you and Trevor James that they're happening because you very kindly supported the whole venture. And I think it took about 10 seconds for me to talk you into it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's you. And the, the <laughs> great thing about you, Bill, is that, is that there are teaching videos online, I know. But A, you can't be a brilliant flute player. You've got a history... Getting a swelled head here. <laughs> no, you're a brilliant flute player. You're a great teacher. But more importantly is that when you... I've seen you teaching, and when you teach, you put it across very simply. There's no fluff. There is none of this sort of highfalutin. Think about this and imagine this. It is this is what you do. Get the
1: fundamentals right first. Well, I was very lucky that the one and only teacher I really had was Mo Sharp, and that's the way he taught. It was simple. You did it this way, and it worked. And um, if anyone wants to listen to some Cleveland Orchestra recordings from the 60s and early 70s and the 50s. You can hear Mo playing and it's wonderful playing and he's just presented it as a job of work to do and then you take it artistically from there once you know how to play the flute. And how do you find
0: the teaching has changed from when Mo teach,
1: taught you, <laughs> teached you, taught teach, you. Me, yeah. to <laughs> um, so, uh, how are you now teaching your students? Well I talk way much more, maybe too much. Uh, Mo is very, when I say simple, he was not simple in any way but it was very much along the ways of he plays and he showed that and I played this way. It was a great way to pick things up. Um, I have vivid memories of him with me, me trying to keep up with him, lashing through uh, Anderson Studies, which I hate, lashing through Anderson Studies with a lit cigarette between his fingers. I'm wondering, jeez, really? we're going to get to the end or not, I and mean, we always did, yes? He could actually play them with the- He smoked and he, while he played, yeah. yeah. Mind you, all you've got to do is look look at the Leduc Publishing and there's more
0: ease with that dirty great big pipe right, yeah. Now, you were telling me a really interesting story earlier about syrinx. Yes. And breathing, and there's just a story about the whole thing on syrinx, which I know you're quite passionate about.
1: Yeah, I love syrinx. I think, you know, it's an iconic flute work. It was originally written for Louis Fleury and to be played as part of this play, I think it's Cichet. And the players long since disappeared, but it had quite a good run in Paris. <clears throat> and all Louis had to do was turn up for three minutes off stage, didn't even have to get dressed up, blow a earrings, and then paid and off back and to the bar. It? Yeah. So he, this is the best gig ever, so he guarded this music jealously. But of course, he wanted a few nights off now and again. So he taught it by ear to Mo's teacher, Georges Pereira, who happened to be either a young pro or <clears throat> a very advancing pupil at the time. <clears throat> So George Barreau learned it, it by ear, and then of course went to the States, I think in the 1910s or 1915s or whatever, and then was teaching over there. When the Jobert edition arrived, you see, jo, uh, when when Louis passed away, his widow found the music, of course, great, few bob, you know,
2: yeah.
1: and conduct, uh, contacted <coughs> the publisher Jobert, who said, great, but we can't publish this without bar lines or breath marks, and no one will buy it.
0: Hang on a
1: second, there was no bar lines or breath marks on no, syrinx. No, 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 was just, there's nothing. I mean, it's just indications. And um, <clears throat> so, Jobert got Moïse to put in bar lines and breath marks and thereby hangs the tail. So, when <clears throat> when Barre first saw syrinx, he looked at him and said, Look, this is not what I'm used to, and uh, had quite a different a couple, diff- couple of different breathing suggestions and some very good fingering suggestions. And um, that's, the, that's the version I use now, quite simply. I didn't know that story. Oh, well, that's, that's what was passed down to me. And uh, so
0: what, what about the, <coughs> the uh,
1: key signatures? Well, they're a great pain <laughs> It's a great pain because yes, there's a key signature. You've got to be very careful. I've done it out in landscape form. And so the bar, the bar lines are twice as long. So you'll be very careful when you are cancelling accidentals all <laughs> along the way. And uh, So people
0: can find the original, copy of the original on your own website?
1: Yep, on williamdowdall.com and it's absolutely free. You press a button and out it comes. That <laughs> the printing quality now has to be upgraded, so we have to drag it into the 21st century, which you'll see the gist of the, the, the whole thing. And so, some very nice fingerings in there as well for different colours, harmonics and all that stuff.
0: So when you hear Sirin, so how often do you hear the original played the way that well, you thought, that, you think the original I, was
1: played? I think a lot of people play it really well. I don't think, and a lot of very good flute players take no, note of the, take no notion of the bar lines themselves. They, a lot of good players don't make the bar lines brick walls like we should them anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, it's played generally very well. It's just a few little touches, if you have a look, it even makes sense musically, at some of the other breath marks that I put in.
0: Fabulous. Now, how long have you been teaching
1: at the Academy? Oh my God. Because
0: you were principal in the orchestra, symphony orchestra for years. Yes,
1: I was principal in the symphony orchestra, uh, between the symphony orchestra and the concert orchestra for 31 years. And at that time towards the end I I had a half-time teaching post in the Academy and principal for the orchestra. And quite frankly I didn't know where I lived. And so about, was it 20 odd years ago? Yes, I left the orchestra. And the orchestra were very good to me. I mean, they were very kind in giving me a lot of time off to do solo work. But it began, you know, it began to get a bit too much. So the academy offered me a very nice job, and I took it. And that must be, I'm proud to think, yeah, nearly 20 years ago. Did you miss the orchestra? I missed it very much at the beginning. Yes. I think what I missed was I was almost institutionalizing that you show up on Monday morning, there's a pile of music that someone's telling you to play, and most of the time there's someone telling you how to play it, which used to annoy me. (laughs) But um, after a while I got used to it, and the freedom was great as well. But even even having a bit more time is invaluable. You know the three reasons for being a teacher? June, July, and August. (laughs) (laughs) There you go.
0: That's when you do your playing, but you escape now, don't you? You escape to New Zealand.
1: when I did take the job in the academy, I said to the director, John O'Connor, at the time, I said, uh, now, <clears throat> you have to bear in mind, I don't do Mondays, mornings, or Januaries. <laughs> and he said, okay, so I don't do Mondays, mornings, or Januaries. Now, for a while, I was for, out of madness, uh, a sense of madness, I became head of faculty, and I did mornings and Mondays, but never Januaries. Yeah, becoming head of faculty, that's, that's uh, you didn't do that for joke, did you? It was a moment of insanity that I repeated (laughs) because it's a three year renewable contract. I'm half glad I did it, but I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore.
0: So do you feel more freedom now as a musician, as a teacher, and as a father, grandfather?
1: Father, yeah, father of five, grandfather of seven. Seven now? Yes. Great times. We're all gathering down in Wexford now for a a great... uh, Wexford is a town about an hour and a half. From Ireland on the on the coast, and we have a, a house down there, a little house with seven bedrooms that holds everyone. <laughs> and and this is important, a bar, and a pool table, and a foosball machine, and a dartboard, all in all in a, 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 a what do you call a, a, a wing, a wing of the house is just a bar. The bar, of course. With, with yes, but then we come along with the keg, and 15, 20 minutes later, we have nice cold beer on draft. This could only happen in Ireland, couldn't it? Well, of course. What else would you do? <laughs> <laughs>
0: the thing is, everybody's musicians. Everybody, all your children,
1: play, play instruments. We're very lucky, yes. I mean, I mean, they have good lives. I mean, a musician's life is not an easy life. I sometimes look at them and say, no, I don't want to use the expression real job, but when I see how hard they work for very little return, I sometimes think, but they're, they're happy and they're fulfilled, which I think is the main thing in life is, is fulfillment. The other money thing, it becomes digits in a bank account and it's meaningless. My grandmother used to say the shroud is no pockets. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but when you think how important music is, um, I read a great post the
1: other day yeah.
0: which says when you get married you have music. Uh, to make you feel more emotional you have music. Mm. When you die you have music. Yeah. When you make love sometimes you have music. Right. When you're happy right. you listen to music. When you're sad, in fact mm. All our life is based around music. Yes. And yet, uh, you go around the world and there's very few governments that are actually investing in music.
1: Well, it's a bit frightening. I mean, I was in Berlin recently and I was really astounded at how much music is going on there and how much mu- music is government supported. Really, in Germany. Incredible. Go along to the Philharmonic and uh, on Tuesday lunchtime, which are free, you'll get members of the Berlin Philharmonic playing wonderful chamber music and about a thousand people are gathered in the foyer to listen. Ah. I'll tell you a story about, we were there, as I said, a couple of weeks ago, my cousin, who's a very good, very good writer, said, I can't believe you haven't been to Berlin yet. So we went over there, and we went over there for about nine days. Uh, of course, you know, i have got to see the Berlin Philharmonic sold out. Zubin Mehta conducted, now, to put Zubin mm-hmm. Mehta into context, he was principal conductor of the New York Phil when I was a student. <laughs> so, <laughs> this man is still, <clears throat> still knocking yeah. around, sold out, and even the night before, a couple of tickets popped up on, on their website, 106 euros. Each. Oh, yeah, we'll go for bang, they were gone. So I so said, like on the Thursday, I said, let's go along to the box office about 10 or 15 minutes early and queue up and see what happens. So there's a queue already there. So we get to the top of the queue, like little kids. Any tickets up oh, yes, we're putting extra seats out on the stage? The what?
2: So
1: I was. I was nearly as close to the tympanist as you as uh, I am to you great. And I sat, oh no, it, was, it was great I was sat there and it was it was rapturous and wonderful playing. it was one the, 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 the commitment of the playing of the orchestra and the collegiality of it do you think all these fellow fellows and women and a lot of women are under a huge pressure they all came out they all shook each other' hand they shook each hands beforehand and afterwards, and they joked And the bass section was something else. I thought they they must they must have fed them raw meat at the interval. They were just incredible.
0: So they weren't uh, they weren't they were a typical brass section of an orchestra. Oh no, the
1: bass section. Oh, sorry, the bass section.
0: They're not.
1: The bra- they the around, the around, do they? Oh, well, they weren't messing, but they were just so carried away with the music. They it was like it was just an engine from the back of the orchestra. The brass section were wonderfully refined.
0: <laughs> That's the Berlin Phil. Yeah. I mean, how often do you get to an orchestra where the brass section refined, eh?
1: Well, I was very lucky in, this, in the in the 60s and 70s, uh, growing up in Cleveland, uh, with the Cleveland Orchestra mm. under George Sell. And that was some refinement. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful refinement, a beautiful playing. Yeah, because in you know, those days you had the
0: famous Chicago brass, didn't you?
1: Well, we used to listen to Chicago brass and, and Cleveland woodwind. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: So what, what do you aim to do more with it? These videos are really good and I think they are going to open some eyes and we'll provide some links at the end of this podcast for people to find them. But how can you take them forward?
1: Well, what I don't really deal with, I began to touch on phrasing at the very end, of but mainly in a very basic way. What I would like to do would be, without sounding big-headed about it, Maybe share some of my interpretations and how, why I reached a certain point rather than just making recording. I have quite a few nice recordings out there, but rather videos and saying, This is why I reached this conclusion about this phrase, whether you like it or not. This is my approach, and this is the way I do it. And of course, there are many other different opinions, and there should be different opinions because many, I think, many roads lead to good music making Absolutely. rather than one. The I think the most frightening thing I heard once was a particular conductor. We'll mention any names uh, said that's it I've recorded the, the, the definitive Beethoven symphonies so what we all stop doing Beethoven <laughs> symphonies so there are many different roles so I'd like to in a humble way show maybe the likes of Searings and maybe some Bach and how I arrive at certain conclusions and maybe demonstrate some of them
0: so what do you do play it through and then chunk it and explain what you're doing what you're thinking
1: yeah I, I I might even do it the other way around. Chunk it first? Yeah, do, do a little bit expand, then, then play it through yeah. and see if I've achieved what I've set out. <laughs> no, it's really true. Because sometimes you go, oops, that didn't work too well. I think we have to be very honest with each other as well. That Sometimes when something doesn't work, we just go back and try it, do it another way. So when it comes to
0: flute playing, and certainly flute teaching, what you're really hot at is the minutiae. It is not only the sound. It's the intonation, your ear is phenomenal. Well I oh, it's, it's <laughs> very good. It's very good. We did some testing before we came out to this coffee shop. Yeah, and you hear things but you also instill that in your students, don't you?
1: Yeah but also the academy is a wonderful place here because my youngest student is eight years old. We start from the very beginning. This this year I think I've started three or four students off from the very beginning and we have a wonderful system here. I think the most important part of the academy here is our pre-instrumental department where you start at four. My grandkids are in that and apart from my grandkids being in it, um, then they go from pre-instrumental into um, sort of a, a pre-wind group which is recorder, but also in, introduce them to other wind instruments and then on to teachers. And a lot of the uh, I not want to say top teachers, but we all do make a point of trying to start off a couple of young people every year.
0: And how many academies around the world actually offer this? I can't think of any actually because normally academy structure is you have to be at a certain level before
1: you enter. You seem to cater for everybody. We try to cater for everyone, but it's not a weakness, I think it's a strength. I think we have to be mindful that there's no real music education system in this country. I think there are wonderful people in in hot spots around the country doing it, but there isn't a level of general music music teaching in this country. That's why I'm very keen about these videos. They should hopefully provide a bit of support to other teachers that would like to look at vibrato and stuff like that. Do you
0: find it very Dublin-centric then, music?
1: Yes, along with Cork, Yeah. Now Cork is a very fine school as well and I think we want to get out with these videos and I think the follow-up of these vi- videos will, will be workshops, yes. to, to do workshops and I'm, I'm sort of, a, I use the word lightly, I'm sort of a socialist and I think, I think um, education should be as, as costless as possible, as free as possible. That's why thanks to you and TJ these videos are free Absolutely, and utterly free to watch. Wait,
0: can't beat that, can you? Anything well. that's free, <laughs> go free.
1: <laughs> All I can do is pay people to watch them then after that. So it's <laughs> utter, utterly free. So, Bill, who's your favourite Irish flute player? My favourite what? So, it's getting noisy. It is. Favourite Irish flute player. Of Irish flute?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Matt Malloy? Absolutely. Oh, there are a couple of others coming along Absolutely. now, but, yeah, but, I mean, I'm not... There's a young, well, a youngish fellow, Tom Durley, who's a great player. Now he's he was in an Irish group. He's a very good. He's got a. a, a, a I hate the word classical, but he's been sort of classical side, but he's a great young, well, young. But well, he's in his forties now. A flute player, up and coming, but he's mainly he's he's teaching. He's school teacher, but then uh, Irish music on the side. And if everyone, anyone is in Dublin. And they're looking for some real trad music. Yep. They should hop along to Hughes's pub on Chancery Street on a Saturday evening, and they have a They people just gather for a session. Some nights it might be not the best, and some other nights you it's just you've got world class. I remember years and
0: years ago, you took me there. Right. I was. I think I was ill the night, the morning, or during the night. Well, you were
1: very lightweight. You just didn't finish your second pint, which is <laughs> a disgrace.
0: <laughs> but it is. it's just. People just come up, and they
1: just start playing, don't they? Yeah, just join in. Yeah, that's real. That's real community music.
0: Real traditional music. Real, just join in and play. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how good you are or how.
1: No, they only have a fear of baron players. Let me explain what a baron <laughs> is. It's spelled B-O-D-H-R-I-N, but it's spelled baron. It's it's a sort of a drum played with a, a two-handed, two-headed stick. And if it's not played with absolute sensitivity, it's. It, <laughs> it's this horror in fact there's a joke is what what's the best way to play a baron and the answer is with a stanley knife <laughs>
2: <laughs> i've just made enemies
1: of all the baron players in ireland
2: so you've,
0: you've really you haven't really apart from new zealand you haven't really sort of um
1: you're very, you're very home shore based aren't you yeah well i mean i've yeah
2: I've,
1: You've travelled around the world. I've travelled around the world, I've done a lot of stuff in various places of the world, but I am very home based, yeah. And I think, I mean, I love being around family. I don't think I would have been suited to being one of those people who was on the road doing 40 or 50 concerts at a time. I don't think I could have hacked that.
0: And you were never tempted to pop over to London or pop over to America to one of the big orchestras there?
1: No, no, I was always happy to make music in Dublin. Mind you, if someone wants to invite me over to do a bit of teaching or something, I'll gladly hop hop anywhere, hop on a plane and come back, but I've I've always been, I think it's possible to make good music wherever you live, and I think it's important that we always develop centres of music making in our own communities. I would totally agree, and one important
0: thing that you do, I know a lot of colleges do, is you're very keen on getting other flute players in to actually give classes.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, I mean, recently we've had uh, Michael Cox over, who was fantastic. Yeah. And he and I got on, on along like a house on fire. And we've had, um, there was other fellow you mentioned earlier. Um, Paul Edmund Davis. Paul Edmund Davis has been over, Wib has been over a couple of times. In fact, I hope to get Wib over again next year, or this coming academic year. Uh, yeah, and um, we have Fiona Kelly, who's not a big name in the food world, but she's a fantastic food player. In the irish chamber orchestra and i think she's in english national opera now she's hopefully coming in march to do a class i hope she knows about it yet but we've been talking about <laughs> it maybe just know fiona if you're free come over and yes and then of course we have the great pat morris yes. piccolo pat who comes over twice a year now and does a master class and she'll be over on the 16th and the 17th of december and then again in the following term and then interspersed with that our own solo piccolo in the orchestra, Sinead Farrell, who is a pupil of myself and Pat, comes in once a month and does piccolo, because I'm very keen on students, like the professional students, learning piccolo. And my advice to all young flute players is learn to play the piccolo properly, not like me. <laughs> uh, in fact, my piccolo playing is so bad, I went quintet once hid my piccolo before a concert. Seriously. And, uh, so it's very important for young players to learn to play the piccolo properly, because your first gig in an orchestra is most likely going to be second or third flute and piccolo. No one's going to waltz in first flute. That's a fair point. Yeah, I did, but that was in half a century ago. <coughs>
0: do you know, just, do you know going, back, going back a bit, you're just two steps re- removed from Barrera, aren't
1: you? Just two steps, yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It two generations. It's funny because Barrera was quite old when he taught Mo. And Mo was quite old when he taught me. And I'm not quite old. <laughs> no,
0: no, you've still got a great you've got a great mop of hair on
1: there. Yeah, but it's white now.
0: Yeah, so it's mine. That's all right. And I've got Dist- a beard. No, all right.
1: distinguished. No, so distinguished. I gave up shaving the day I got married.
0: <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so what single piece of advice if you could give to a flute player that could be listening that is I'm not sure where they can go.
1: There's only so many orchestral jobs, isn't there? Mm. I think the thing now is diversity. Learn to play all of your instruments really well. When I say all of your instruments, I don't mean sax or anything else. Learn to play your flute, your piccolo, your alto flute, even your bass flute really well. There are other forms of music that get into improvisation, I think the day of people just being in orchestras is, is waning. I think there's a lot more out there. Get involved in contemporary music. I've had wonderful times in contemporary music. The exploration. And, you know, sometimes we might play music that's not to our liking. But so what? Look at, look, look at some of the, the amount of rubbish that was written in the 19th century. I mean, how many symphonies did uh, Pierre Ney write? I don't know. Who cares? How <laughs> many did Beethoven write? Nine. But I think Pierre Ney wrote 10 times that amount. So there was always this, you know, you know rubbish and there's two, two sorts of music, good music and bad music, no matter what genre it is. And learn to play in different genres as well. And don't be stuck up like me being so-called classical. I mean, my first recording as a teenager, it's really sad, Mendelssohn Symphony Number no. 4 with the Cleveland Orchestra, was my first recording when I was 14 or 15. Mm-hmm.
0: Well that's not bad, is it, fourteen yeah, or fifteen? Yeah,
1: but you know, I, I think the answer is diversity. And my own my own all the daughters play. They have a very very varied life. I mean daughter Lisa plays a lot between contemporary music and crash ensemble and then Irish Baroque Orchestra. So there's a lot of them. The same with Jenny and, and Eva, they're always doing different genres of music.
0: And you love teaching?
1: And, oh, absolutely!
0: And I think that is one area people think, "Oh, if I can't do, it, I'll have to teach." Oh, Why no. flip it around and like you do? You are so passionate about yeah. teaching.
1: Well, I think it's also important to have a playing playing life as well. And I think there was a period where I, I didn't teach, and it was in my thirties, and I went through a sort of a, a phase. Uh, well, I was very busy with young family. We'd started off the shop, and I was also in the process of sort of relearning what I was doing and in fact it's very funny it actually came back to square one while I was talking the first place I just stopped messing around yeah it it worked and
0: I think that what a great way to finish stop messing around Mm. find out what it is that you want to do yeah if you really are passionate about the instrument, as you say learn to play it properly Mm -hmm. be passionate be emotional with it have it as your lover because, let's face it, you spend more time with this tube than you do with your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend.
1: Jesus, that's frightening. You're it is right. though, isn't it?
0: You spend more time <laughs> with it.
1: I always say to my, my students, particularly the young ones, there is only one true mistake you can make, and that's not to make music. Do
0: you know what? I can't, I can't end up on a, on a better <laughs>
1: note. Bill, thank you very much. Pleasure.
0: Thank you so much to Bill, and to you too for listening this week. Don't forget to download the original Scorus Syrinx from Bill's flute resource website, williamdowdall.com That's William and Dowdall, dot com. Next week, I'm speaking with the brilliant and uber-famous beatboxing flute player, Greg Petillo. So until then, wishing you a musically fulfilling week ahead and may your first and second octave C sharps especially resonate. Because mine never do. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye.